John 14 is where you're turning, John 14, and here's why we're turning there, because of the calendar. I know that seems weird, but here at the chapel, there's a couple obviously important dates that we recognize as part of our faith. Christmas, for God to love the world that he sent, that he gave his son. Easter, God demonstrated his love for us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us and not only died for us, but was raised from the dead. But there's more to the gospel than the birth of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus. In fact, in some ways, I think you'll see by the end of today that if that's where it stops, we're in a world of hurt. There's important things in the calendar that caused us to step out of James. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And we're gonna see why that might be as important as Christmas and Easter. 10 days ago was the ascension of Jesus. And if you missed last week, uh, we defined the ascension of Jesus might be just as important as Christmas and Easter because of when he ascended, he said, I'm leaving, but you're not but I've left some gifts for you. Kind of like a guest on the dresser. I've left some gifts for you that are absolutely crucial if you're gonna do what I did. So John 14, it's when he is introducing these departing gifts to his disciples. And he sets up the gifts by saying this to them in verse 12 of John 14, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. Because I go to the Father. That's the ascension. Now, most of us, when we're really honest, and we've said this multiple times now, we read that verse and think, that's impossible. There's no way I'm going to do what Jesus did, let alone greater things. And yet we have that tension that, that we really don't want to call Jesus a liar. Do you? No, I don't want to call him a liar. So how is it possible that if we believe in him, and I know many of you do, if you believe in him, that we're going to do what he did and greater. And he says, here's the reason, because I am leaving you. Well, that's not good. That's going to be worse. No, it's not going to be worse. Because I go to the Father, here's what's going to happen. Next verse. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So I'm leaving, but I'm not stopping working. Here's how I'm going to work. I'm going to work by whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if, in case you missed it. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. So he gives us this gift of prayer in Jesus' name. Not the gift of prayer. The gift of prayer had long been given. But this is a new gift. The gift of prayer in the name of Jesus had never been introduced until this moment. If you missed last week, this is a quick review. The prayer of Jesus' name was simply this. I'm going to give you what you need to do what I would do when you ask me. 
So many of the things that we pray about, nothing wrong, that's the gift of prayer, but many of the things that we pray about have nothing to do about doing what Jesus would do. It's just about making our life better in the way we would like it. But he gave us prayer in the name of Jesus, not as a means by how we would end our prayers in Jesus' name, but as a means to say, I'm leaving, but you're not. And you're gonna do what I did, greater than what I did. And when you think that's impossible, no. When it's impossible, ask me. And I'll do it. If I would do it, I'll do it. Ask me in my name. He doesn't stop there. Passage continues. Look, John 14, next verse, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Do you love him? Do you keep his commandments? <laughs> Doing my best. Yeah, and this is when you go, okay, yes or no. Do you keep his commandments? Yeah. Yes, I want to say yes, but the answer is not very well. And so we get back to the, this is impossible. Ever felt that? If you haven't, you don't know the commandments very well, honestly. Because when the more I know about what the Lord requires of me, the more I go, I love you, but I can't. I want to, but I'm not very good at this. You ever thought that? Defining moment, my walk with Jesus was when I finally went, I want to, I'm just not very good at this. He says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And now he introduces the second gift, if you will, on the dresser that he left. Second departing gift. I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, God himself, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you. That's Jesus, I've been with you, but what's gonna happen when I depart? He will be in you. See, this incredible gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, God himself dwelling where? In us. Why? So that when we love him, we will be able to obey his commandments. Now, the gift of the Holy Spirit, like the gift of prayer, that's not new. The gift of the Holy Spirit had been given previously. But watch, listen very carefully. The gift of the Holy Spirit had been given to a select few people for very specific purposes for a limited time. In other words, they could lose the gift. We know this because a psalm that many of you know, Psalm 51, after David commits adultery with Bathsheba, he cries out to the Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. That's never a prayer I have to pray. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Do you know why? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit now, since Jesus departed, is dramatically different than the gift of the Holy Spirit previous to the departure of Jesus. Previous to the departure of Jesus, it was for a limited few, for limited purposes, for a limited time. 
But with Jesus, we get this. When the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law. Who's that? That's us. That we might receive the adoption as sons, so that when we would believe in Jesus, though we were under the law and therefore declared guilty because of our failure to keep the law, that we could be reconciled to God, our penalty paid by Jesus on the cross, and we would move from an enemy of God to what? A son of God. Now watch. Because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into a few of your hearts. No. No, it's not like first row, Holy Spirit. Second, third, fourth, do your best. Fifth row, Holy Spirit. Yeah, <laughs> you better get in the right rows, that's right. The departing gift of Jesus is not only the gift of prayer in Jesus' name, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here it is, new, to all who are children of God. If I go away, I'll ask the Father, and he'll send another helper. who is God himself, the third person of the triune Godhead, the Holy Spirit to dwell within you so that if you love me, what? You'll keep my commandments. That's why the Spirit's been given. And so let's consider the promises of Jesus about this second departing gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. First, he told the disciples as he introduced the gift to them, he said to them this in that same conversation, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. Again, just keep it real. There's not a person on the planet that has walked for a few years with Jesus and experienced life with him and ministry with him who would think, oh, you're leaving? Excellent. That's going to be so much better. Nobody would think that except Jesus. It's to your advantage that I go away. Why? For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. Don't leave, no gifts. But if I go, I'll send him to you. So the promise, and this is why our walk with God is a walk of faith because it doesn't always seem to make sense to us. The promise of Jesus is his departure is to your advantage. That seems so counterintuitive. I mean, keep it real. That just seems, no, it'd be so much better. Have you never read the gospels and thought, man, if Jesus just walked with me, that'd be so much better. Jesus disagrees with you. When you think that, he goes, no, 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 no. It's to your advantage that I don't walk with you. Here's why. We just read it. He'll give you another helper that may be with you forever, a spirit of truth. And what's the difference? He will not just abide with you. He will, he will be in you. See, Jesus promises that we get an upgrade from with you. That's what the disciples got, with you. Good, excellent, yeah. Upgrade in you. <laughs> and not just in you. Did you check it out? In you forever. 
That is, that is fantastic. Why is that fantastic? Here's why. You will receive, I want, really, unless you're like, think it's a sin to speak in church, which it's not. You'll receive what? Power. You, here's why it's to your advantage. You will receive power. Where? In you. How? Through the Holy Spirit, God himself. The departing gift, if you can just imagine it. Jesus ascends and he's like, oh man, oh, prayer in Jesus' name. I can ask whatever I need to do whatever he would do and he'll give it. Oh, what else we got here? Whoa, God himself. Not to just put in my pocket, but to dwell in me. That God himself, this is why it's to your advantage, is he will be in you and he will empower you. He'll be in you and he will empower you. Now, do you understand what, what's happening here? When we place faith in Jesus through his finished work on the cross, we already read it, we become sons of God. And as sons of God, we now have new responsibilities, new commands to obey, new commitments to fulfill. And a new power to do them. That's not the way life usually works. See, I have on my finger here a reminder that in July of 1986, I entered into a new commitment. I promised Jackie then outlaw. That's correct, she was an outlaw by name, not by career. She was an outlaw. And I promised that I would love her the rest of my life, that I would honor her and keep her, that I would be faithful to her. I had all these new commitments. Many of you have done this. You had all these new commitments to keep in this new relationship to honor and all these things that you were now going to do and all these things that you weren't going to do. But you know what I didn't get when she slid this ring on my finger? I didn't get any new power. It would have been better if she had given me a ring with power. Like, Doug, when I put this, finger, this ring on your finger, you will always know what I'm thinking. <laughs> that would make her marriage so much easier. New power to, oh, and I would have new power to feel and without the need to fix. <laughs> I didn't get any of that. What did I get? I just got new commitments, new responsibilities, new bills. <laughs> and no new power. And then we started having kids. New responsibilities, new commitments, less time, less sleep, more bills. But what? No new power. They didn't like give me a baby with ears. Here's some power. Just here's a baby and pay the bill. 
You understand what I'm saying? Everything in life, we just, honestly, we go through life and we just get more and more commitment and we don't get any new power. And that's how we think about the Christian life. God loved you. He sent his son for you. And he died for you. And you ought to live for him and say no to your selfish desires. And you ought to lay down your life for him. And you ought to give to him. And you ought to serve him. And you ought to love others and forgive if you've been forgiven. Have you never felt that? And we act like everything else that's true in life is true in this. And the reason Pentecost may be just as important as Christmas and Easter is power in you to obey. I just got more commands. And if all you think about when it comes to walking with Jesus is what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do and what you need to stop and what you need to start and get your life together and stop being such a slacker. And want you to love people more. You just feel the list. You see, Christmas and Easter, apart from Pentecost, almost could feel cruel. Like a horrible setup for failure and being overwhelmed by inadequacy. So what Jesus say? I'm going to go away. And it seems terrible, but it's to your advantage. Because if I go away, I'll send another. And he won't just be with you. He'll be in you. And when he's in you, he will give you God power to keep my commandments because you do love me. I make a difference. This is a Pentecost Sunday. This matters. It matters. Not only that Jesus came and not only that Jesus died, it matters that Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit came. So look at the event. Turn with me to Acts 2 when he came. Acts chapter 2. The coming of the Holy Spirit. This is, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. This is when Jesus said, this is when the gift that I left for you in the dresser is going to happen. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. That is, those who had committed to being followers of Jesus. They're all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And... And now we begin to see, watch, this is why we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. Can I have your eyes for a moment? This is New Testament, verily, verily, truly, truly. Let me have your eyes. <clears throat> what we're going to see now is what it looks like when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. When they have the power of God himself in them. 
They're filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each of them was hearing these disciples speak in his own language. And they were amazed and, and astonished, saying, Why? Why? Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Understand, they're speaking like real languages that they had never learned. How can that be happening? You know, what is it? How can that be happening? The Holy Spirit will give you power to do the miraculous. Now, as you write that down, let me make sure you hear something very clearly. Some will take this passage and therefore say that everyone who receives the Holy Spirit should be able to speak in what is called tongues, a, a language that they've never learned. But the point here is not that everybody would speak in tongues because later as the scripture is revealed, the gift of tongues is one of the gifts that some people receive. But it's not to test that everybody, if you've received the Spirit, this is what some would say. If you've received the Spirit, the evidence is you speak in tongues. And if you don't speak in tongues, then uh, you don't have the Holy Spirit. No. The miracle that was given in this moment was the gift and the ability to speak in a language that they had Never learn. Why? So that all of these folks from all around the globe who had gathered in Jerusalem could hear the gospel in ways they would not have been able to hear had not the Spirit given a miraculous gift. But later we just find that, that God gives gifts to different ones as he determines. Not everybody gets the same gifts. To insist that everybody speak in tongues would be for me to say, every one of you should be gifted preachers, you slackers. No, no. If we were all preachers, we'd all be like kicking each other off the stage up here. <laughs> There'd be no congregation. <laughs> oh, the, the issue is miracles. That's why you may go, well, that, that's not me. If you have trusted in Jesus, do you have the Holy Spirit in you? Yes. yes. If you have trusted in, in Jesus, you're a son, and he poured his spirit into your heart for the miraculous. Let me make it real for every single child of God right now. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which... You have. No. You see, that's how we usually serve. The strength that we have. But the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in the people of God, every single person is, however you serve, you serve with supernatural strength. Those who will sign up one Sunday... <laughs> One hour for the two-year-olds. Don't go in there and try to last it out. 
You went in there with the power of God, and I'm serious. For those who serve in our junior high ministry, <laughs> the strength with God gives. And I'm not just picking on kids. The people who shepherd you, <laughs> the strength that God gives. There's not, there's not a time that in my preparing to stand to speak before you that I don't ask the Lord. Lord, I want to speak according to the strength with which you give. It's for whatever you do, however you serve. Don't do it in your strength for as long as you can do it. Do it in the strength of God. Why? Because he dwells in you. And when you serve with his strength, what's that called? Miraculous. That's miracles. Peter, now, not in a different language, but now, in the language that he knew, stands up to serve supernaturally. Taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. And he preaches a sermon of bold witness. Because when the Holy Spirit empowers, he empowers us for bold witness. Never, never, ever miss the dramatic change from Peter prior to the departure of Jesus and his fear and his running and his denial to as soon as the Spirit of God comes, he is bold. Why? Why? Because the Holy Spirit empowers you. Not a select few of you to be bold. He empowers every single one of you to be bold. Because he's in you. And as he gives bold witness because of the Spirit, he has timely reminders of Scripture. And I got to get rolling here. Uh, timely reminders of scripture. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to send the spirit and he will bring the words that I've said to you to your remembrance. You'll remember things. And proof. As he preaches a sermon, he says, this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And if you quote Joel this week? <laughs> no. I haven't. I haven't, and if you ask me, tell me something from Joel, I'd be like, uh. but if I was in a situation where I needed something from Joel or the spirit of God was speaking through, he'd bring it to remembrance. It's what happened. The spirit of God in him. Never experienced this? I hope you have where the Lord brings a scripture to mind at a crucial moment. Most of you know we do a, a Q&A right after the service. I always kind of feel awkward during the closing song. I'd 
like to hang with you, but I go to a little studio and people text in questions from the message. And people will say, don't you want the questions in advance? I'm like, no, then I'd have to study. No, I like them right in the moment. Don't even give me 30 seconds notice. Just ask me. And it's the opportunity. I truly enjoy the opportunity to go. I'll depend upon the Lord to bring to my mind what I need in the moment. It's a good experience to depend upon the Lord in that way. He quotes Joel, he quotes David from Psalm 16. Hey, this is the, this is the Holy Spirit in him doing what Jesus said he would do. And then when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and he said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? They are, they are cut to the heart because the evidence of the Holy Spirit is there is, when he is working, there's conviction of sin. There's conviction of sin when the Holy Spirit is present. And so then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls because the evidence of the Holy Spirit is people, because of his bold witness in you and his bold witness through you, experience the word of God through you, which brings conviction and people come to faith. More people. That's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. And now watch, I'm going to read a number of verses as Acts 2 unfolds, and then we'll identify a number of evidences. It says they were continually, they, the ones who had just moved from death to life, 3,000 now, all these new people are continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. What's that mean? They were devoting themselves to say, hey, tell us what Jesus told you. And to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. You see, when the Spirit of God is present, there's evidence of bold witness, and there's evidence, therefore, of conviction of sin, and there is new life. And when then there's new life, there's new community where there is a hunger for God's Word. I love this. And evidence of the Spirit of God in you is there is now a desire to know Him. look for moments, man, not, oh, I know I should read my Bible more, but man, I love, I, I can distinctly remember being born again, and, and it was like, oh, I'm underlining everything. It would have been easier to underline stuff that didn't matter to me, but it was just like this brand new, wow, that's evidence of the Holy Spirit. And, and not only reading it, but now for the first time, understanding it. 
Say, I'm looking at my friend Sam because we just had this conversation last Sunday. He visited on Easter and, and God's been doing work in his heart since Easter. I hope I'm okay telling your story. I didn't warn him about this. Uh, but he told me last Sunday, I'm understanding the scriptures like I never understood them before. Here's why, my friend. Who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. But watch. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. A natural man doesn't accept the things of the spirit of God for their foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually Appraised, understood. See what happens. Uh, before I'm born again, I don't have the spirit of God. And because I don't have the spirit of God, I can't understand the mind of God. And I read stuff and I go, what? And it's just crazy. I don't get it. And then you're born again and the spirit of God lives in you. And now you go, because you have the spirit of God, not understand everything perfectly. Hey, there's still times, like times in James, I'll go, hmm, I'm really not sure what James was thinking right here. I got to do some study. But so much of the scripture speaks. Why? Because the word of God, through the spirit of God that dwells within me now, speaks to the child of God. Doesn't work that way until you're born again. Evidence of the Holy Spirit is not only desire for the word of God, but a understanding, a new understanding of the word of God. There's this new desire to be with the people of God. It says they're going from house to house. They're taking their meals together. They want to be together. They want to be together. It's not like, phew, it's Memorial Day. Can, let's do church early and get it out of the way. It's a great moment when a guy said to me, I love your, because we used to have an eight o'clock service. I love your eight o'clock service. That way I can get it out of the way. And as soon as it came out of his mouth, he was like, oh, wrong person to say that to. Everybody else goes, yeah, I get it. And he was like, ah, oh, that's not really what I mean. I'm pretty sure that's what you meant. You just said it. <laughs> There's this desire to be with the people of God. Why? Because the spirit of God lives in you and the spirit of God lives in me and we are now Christian family. And there's generosity. People who only used their stuff for their desires started going, well, if the Spirit of God lives in me and the Spirit of God lives in you and we're spiritual family, then my surplus is your surplus and your need is my need. I never miss the incredible work of God in giving because I know what I naturally do. I naturally hold on to my stuff. And when you give, that's supernatural. That's the spirit of God giving, doing something in you that says... There's something greater in life than simply serving self. 
It's seeing needs and meeting needs. Never get tired of walking by here in South, our needs board. See a need, meet a need. We just have probably a thousand now cards of folks who saw a need and met a need. You have a need, put it on the board. See a need, meet a need. That's what the people of God do because you're supposed to. No! Why? Because the Spirit of God is in you. Day by day, continue with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They're taking their meals together. Again, you see this desire to be together. And they're doing it with gladness and sincerity of heart. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who are being saved. The miraculous continues to take place as there is unity. They're in one mind. Did you see that? If you have your text open, you might want to circle that. They're of one mind. They're of one mind. Why? (laughs) Because the Spirit of God dwells in them. See, this is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. This is why as an elders here at Christian Family Chapel, there's 10 of us, and we don't make decision by majority. We make decision by unanimity. You say, how do you get anything done? Evidence of the Holy Spirit at work within us. There is unity. There's perseverance. They were continuing. It says in verse 42, I think it said it again in verse uh, 46. 42, they're continuing. Perseverance. Perseverance is an evidence of the fruit of the Spirit because nearly every single one of us can sprint for a little bit. You know what I mean spiritually? You can sprint for a little bit spiritually. You get like fired up and you, let's go! And then you're like, (sighs) how many of you have gone and then quit? There's, They're continuing. Now, truly, truly, I say to you, you have been empowered. See, if you just felt badly because you don't persevere, you're missing the point of this morning. The point of this morning is this is the day of Pentecost where the Spirit has come to empower you so you can persevere. This may change your thinking a bit, but I hope so. When we understand the gift of the Holy Spirit, here's what we begin to realize. Every command is actually a promise. You capture that? Every command is actually a promise. Because faithful is he who has called you, and he will, this is 1 Thessalonians 5.24, he will bring it to pass. See, I, I didn't plan that. That's not in my notes. That's the Spirit of God bringing you to remember. I'm just trying to give you, this is real life. With every command, there's, a, there's the promise. Because if you and I are going to live like God, We're only going to do it because God himself dwells within us.
there's joy. Joy. Now, joy is more than smiling. Joy is more than Disney welcome. But that's, that's not wrong. You, you, you ought to think about smiling every once in a while and being happy outside of your circumstances. Judy's testimony is pretty powerful this morning, wasn't it? When, when she said, I won't have grandkids scampering around, that cut me. But I choose to praise. Because my joy is not in my circumstances. My joy is in my God. And that he loves me. And he gives me all I need to do all he says. There's a, a joy that is, a, that is the fruit of the Spirit. Number 12 is going to feel like I rained on the Memorial Day parade, the Pentecost parade. And I'm going to tell you the whole story, but here's an evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Discipline. Discipline for disobedience. Here's what, it happens in Acts 5, and I'll have the minutes to unfold it for you. You have a Bible, you ought to read it for yourself. Discipline for disobedience. Here's what we know about discipline. If you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, all meaning those who are children of God, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Did you hear that? Discipline is actually evidence of the Spirit of God within you. Because you are empowered to do all, yes or no? Yes. Because you're empowered to do all, you're going to go do all. Now, you're still going to learn to walk in obedience. And part of learning to walk in obedience, we all grew up, right? Part of learning to walk in obedience is being trained by discipline, which is so much fun. No, no. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. That's the understatement. I, I never, and this may, yes, I spanked my children. Growing up, I spanked my children. And they never once went, this is so good, Dad. I just, man, can't thank you enough. Maybe an extra one, just for good measure. It's not joyful for the moment. Sorrowful. Before it even started. Yet, to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Part of the Holy Spirit's work in us is to empower us. And then not punish us because we didn't live in power, but to train us to live as empowered ones. The Holy Spirit is, here's why we stepped out of James. To remind us this morning, the Holy Spirit is in you to empower you. For what? For the impossible. Keep his commandments. To be the body through which he does his work. This is, this is 
so personal to me because I knew Christmas and Easter for years, literally. It's not just theory. For years, I knew Christmas and Easter before I knew Pentecost. And the longer, watch, the longer I knew Christmas and Easter, in other words, what I was supposed to do, going to church and learning more, reading my Bible and learning more was just piling it on. And I was at the brink of walking away. Because I just couldn't do this. I know I was supposed to. I know Jesus died for me. I know he forgave me. But I just can't do this. The failure was absolutely overwhelming to me. Until finally, by God's grace, a man simply said, the Jesus who walked the pages of this New Testament is alive and living in you in the person of the Holy Spirit, waiting to live his life through you. And my whole understanding of the Christian life was changed by Pentecost. The weight was still there. I was just empowered. So we're not throwing off the weights to make the Christian life possible. We're engaging. There's power in me and in you to live the life he's called you to live. So as our closing prayer, I'm simply going to ask Matt to lead us in this prayer of inviting more and more of the Holy Spirit to be at work in us and through us to do the impossible. Let's pray this together. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come this place, fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts call for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. Let's become. Let us become. experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness I invite you to stand for your presence Lord one more time. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place, fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what I 
we go in the power of the Spirit, as Doug just said, He's enabled us to do everything He's called us to do. And, and we can be joyful in that, and we can anticipate that when we step in obedience, He'll He'll do it, and we'll see Him move, and we'll see lives change. So really glad that you're here. I hope you uh, enjoy your day off tomorrow, and we'll see you next time. Thanks again.